Young back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 50. The 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. Hey, everybody. It's Zane Nackby with the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And I'm with my co-host, Al Sacco. And Al, we had a lot of things happen since our last podcast. We had, you know, Sergio Garcia come back and win a, a, a great Masters tournament. And we had my UNC Tar Heels win the national championship in college. So it's, it seems like it's been a while, hasn't it? Some exciting stuff going on. I'm, I'm actually a Syracuse fan, so this was a little bit rough for me, uh, this, this tournament. But congratulations on your Tar Heels, buddy. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, my, my bracket was pretty busted after the first round. But, you know, at least I got the, the national cha- championship pick right. Yeah, you'll take that. You'll take that. I'd also take like $300 from winning the bracket, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I wish, I wish it was that easy. But we have a, we have a lot to get into in, in terms of 49ers stuff, and we have a lot of rumors flying around and a lot of transactions uh, really potentially taking place with, with the draft and everything. And one transaction that actually did just happen this past week was the release of Tremaine Brock. And, and were you surprised by that? You know, it's sad to say when you, when you look at all the arrests that this team has had, and and it goes around the league as, as well, but the Niners have had so many arrests. I'm almost not surprised anymore. It, it, it's kind of a joke, but I really thought the way that they handled it, they, they did a great job. They didn't come out in, you know, it was just a very um, succinct press release. They just said that they got rid of Brock. They did it quickly. Um, once they found out, you know, kind of what the details were, they just cut ties with them. And, and that's good because you don't need to go through this, all this due process stuff with this uh, to me because, I mean, enough's enough with the domestic violence and everything else. Somebody does that on your team. Just just see you later. That's how I feel about it. And they did that and it was impressive. And, you know, they kind of walked the walk. I thought they talked a lot about character and how they want high character guys. And when somebody stepped out of line, they booted him to the curb. And, and I thought that was great. Yeah. And and. Anybody who's out there listening, you know, you, you cannot, cannot in any walk of life, put your hands on a woman. And the fact that he did that, and I don't care if it was his first offense or whatever, I, you, you absolutely cannot do that. And, and people say that John Lynch was sending a message and he himself came out today and said he, he wasn't sending a message, but I, I really, that this, this type of behavior will not be tolerated. And it can't be tolerated in, in the NFL. It can't be tolerated in life. This is not acceptable behavior for anybody, let, let alone somebody who's in, in the public eye. Yeah, and, and I'm, you know, it's, it's just to the point where I'm kind of just tired of talking about this stuff with, with these players and hearing about this. It's, it, it really is pretty disturbing. But, you know, getting back to football, one of the rumors that's going around right now, as crazy as it sounds, are the Browns actually going to pull a Browns and pass on Miles Garrett? Are they, are they actually going to, I mean, can this even be a thing or is this just a crazy rumor? You think, man, if they do that, I, I put it on my Twitter. And if they do that, I will personally upload a video of myself doing the Carlton dance and put it on Twitter. If they, if we end up with the 49ers end up with Miles Garrett, I will absolutely dance to that and everybody will see it. So um, for everybody that, that follows us, you know, you can hope for that, but man, if they, if they pass on Miles Garrett and they pick Mitchell Trubisky with that number one pick, I don't even know what to say. That's that is like you said, the most Browns thing ever. And because it is the Browns, I could see it happening. But 
if you look at the logic of it, they have the number 12 pick as well. And if Trubisky is their guy, there's no guarantee that he lasts until number 12. The Bills could jump up there. Another team could jump up there and and uh, and go ahead and, and snatch up Trubisky. And now the Browns are without a quarterback. And they're kind of in the same situation they are going into the draft. So it really, it, it on a level, it makes sense. But right now, it's it's like, tis the season for all of these smoke screens. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's that time of year where you really can't believe any anything that anybody's saying. So, but what do you do though, if you're John Lynch and you're sitting there at two and, and they do pass on Garrett and you have this transcendent pass rusher falling in your lap, but then your phone starts blowing up. And what if you get a Godfather offer? What if you get multiple ones, multiple twos for a team, like I uh, maybe say Carolina or somebody like that, who just says, you know what, we'll give, we'll give you as much as you want for Garrett. Do you do it? Or do you take Garrett? You know, it's interesting because I, it, I really don't know what I would do because Derek Barnett's sitting back there as well. And while he's not on the same level as Miles Garrett, he is also an elite pass rusher. And those teams could basically trade, you know, into the top 10 and, and still have a chance to get Barnett without paying that premium of the number two. Now, I will say this, that Miles Garrett is a game-changing player. He is one of the few guys that's a lock in this draft, in my opinion. And he is a blue-chip talent. He is a top talent. And right now, the 49ers roster does not have too many of those guys, despite what people may think about some of the guys that the 49ers have, they're all good players, but there's no blue chip, absolutely cornerstone franchise cornerstone guy on the team aside from Navarro Bowman. And he himself is coming off an injury. So if miles Garrett falls to the 49ers at number two, he has to be the pick. You can't, you can't pass up on that guy. Yeah. I I think I would agree with that is as many needs as they have somebody like Garrett can transform your team alone. But you mentioned Barnett and, um, I wouldn't sleep on him at all. If he ends up with 49ers, I wouldn't be surprised. And I saw a mock today. It might have been Pete Prisco from CBS Sports put it out where he had actually had uh, Barnett go into the Niners at two. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. And, and one of the reasons for that is you, you, you've heard some smoke around guys. And I don't want to get too much into the draft stuff yet, but just to mention it now, um, you've heard smoke around like Leonard Fournette, Ruben Foster, Lattimore, the two safeties, but you haven't heard anything about Barnett. And kind of the way the Niners are operating right now, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they have their sights set on him. Yeah, it's interesting. They they went to the pro day and everything, and they've seen him up close and personal, and and obviously they, they look at the production and everything. But all of these mocks that say that Solomon Thomas is going to the 49ers, he's, he's not coming here. I mean, I can't emphasize that to people enough. I, I don't know why, why Solomon Thomas has been valued that high because – He's his he basically had one good year of college. He had one good year at Stanford. And I don't know, did, did Jonathan Allen like die or something? I mean, he's is he, <laughs> did he quit did he quit football? I mean, Jonathan Allen, and, and I know I'm getting fired up about this because it's it's to me it's it's frustrating because these people don't know what they're talking about. And Jonathan Allen is is as a defensive tackle is a far superior player than Solomon Thomas is. And Solomon Thomas is a good player, but Jonathan Allen is just that much better. So if you're going after a D tackle like a three technique. You have to look at Jonathan Allen before you look at anybody. But they seem to be fixated. All these quote-unquote experts seem to be fixated on Solomon Thomas going to the 49ers at number two, and it is not going to happen. I can, I can, I've, if I were a betting man, I would put money on that, that it, it's not going to happen, and this is just a, a huge smokescreen, and they miscalculated really bad. I think I agree with you on that. I, I do. I, I don't see Thomas as really a fit for them, and, and I I think the odds of them drafting him are slim, but you made a really good point when you, you were talking about 
the blue chip players and, and the fact that the 49ers don't really have any. And one of the things we were going to touch on in the podcast is really looking at the position groups today and seeing what the needs are. And when I was looking at doing some research on that, I, I noticed that if you look at some of these guys that were taken in recent years that were expected to be big contributors, and I'll throw a few names out at you, Carlos Hyde in three years. Now, I think he's a, I think he's a fine running back. I do. I think he's a good player. But in three years, he's missed 14 games, and he has 1,791 yards total, total in three years. Vance McDonald for his career. 64 catches, 866 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's his career. The Niners' leading receiver last year was Jeremy Curley at 667 yards. If you look at the defensive side of the ball, some guys that you were expecting to be linchpins or hoping that would be. Um, Jimmy Ward, two interceptions in his, in his career. Aaron Lynch, 14 sacks in his career. These numbers that these guys have in their careers are you know, really good seasons for, for really good players. So we haven't seen production. We haven't seen blue chip production. And you can call that, you know, well, there were a lot of changes with the coaching staff. There were quarterback issues. But the bottom line is we haven't seen guys on the field produce. We just haven't seen it. And they really need blue chip type guys. And if you look at this roster, Zane, I mean, let's start out at the running backs with Hyde because there's been a lot of rumors about the Niners taking a running back. I mean, do you feel good with this running back group right now? It's it's pretty shaky. And and. The reason why I say that is because you you have Carlos Hyde, then you have Dewan Harris as the backup, and then you have Mike Davis as the third string, and then our friend Raheem Mostert as the fourth guy, and he's a potential practice squad guy. He spent a couple of years on the practice squad, but uh, outside of that, in this league, you really need to have at least two good running backs, and the reason why I say that is because you need to have them involved in the passing game. You need to have them blocking. You need to be able to have them run the ball. Like They're not just toting the rock anymore they're they're multifaceted multi-talented players and in the kyle shanahan offense you see what they did in atlanta with um tevin coleman and Devontae freeman they had two capable running backs and and these guys weren't really terribly highly sought after out of college but he kind of turned them into stars within the scheme so i really feel like they're going to add somebody through the draft and we talked about this last week where uh, you felt like they were going to add somebody early. I felt like they're going to add somebody mid to late. And a couple of the guys that come to my mind are, are Kareem Hunt, uh, who out of Toledo, who's who's set a bunch of records for for that conference, and our boy Aaron Jones out of UTEP, and he's also set records for for UTEP in school history for for rushing yards and and whatnot. So if you can find value like that, and for anybody, I, I encourage you to watch both of those guys on tape. For anybody who wants to know what those guys are all about, watch them on tape and and one highlight reel will will get you to believe that these guys are are the real deal so i would be thrilled if they were to pick up either one of those guys in the in the middle rounds in it another thing about the running backs and, and we forgot to mention tim hightower there oh did you did you see how uh fired up i got on twitter by the way about the him getting gore's number oh yeah i mean and and the the 49ers pr guy bob lang he came on and he was like oh hashtag slow news day but how do you how do you give somebody Frank Gore's number? He's arguably the best running back in 49ers history, and you just kind of hand his number to the first free agent that signs. I don't, you know, it just doesn't sit well with me. And, and some people don't understand it, and and you know, apparently we're bad fans because of it. But hey, if I'm a bad, <laughs> hey, if I'm a bad fan for wanting to maintain the 49ers legacy, then I guess I'm the worst fan. You know, who's the, who's this equipment guy too? Who's this new equipment guy that handed out the number? Can can I have? We want names. We want yeah. names. But you know what? It was the perfect. 
it was a perfect thing for me to overreact to. You know, it was a slow news day. I'm like, let me overreact to this. But, you know, I'm a Yankees fan. So I'm used to these. I mean, Yankees retired everybody's number. And I'm just used to a legendary player on your team retires. You just don't give the number out. You just don't do it. I don't know. I just feel like you don't. So I don't know. Anyway, back to like uh, things actually happening on the field. So they have Hightower. He's on a one-year deal. Harris is on a one-year deal. Hyde only has one year left on his deal. The only running back signed past this year is Mike Davis, and it's questionable if he even makes the team. So they have to address running back this year in the draft. You know, I I don't know, barring a a breakout year, that Hyde's going to get an extension, certainly not a lucrative one. So they have to address that in the draft. In another position on offense where I'm I'm just wondering sort of what the long-term plan is going to be as a receiver. And I think they've done a good job of getting some pieces there. I think Pierre Garçon is going to be a good piece for them to have for a couple of years. He's certainly their number one receiver now. But again, if you look at these receivers that they have on their roster, they don't have that traditional number one go-to guy. Aldrick Robinson, Marquise Goodwin, these are smaller guys. And again, let's look at their career stats. And I know I know, we're expecting more out of them with, with Shanahan's offense. I know that we are. But Aldrick Robinson in his career, 50 catches, 931 yards, seven touchdowns. Goodwin in his career, 49 catches, 780 yards, six touchdowns. So these aren't, again, super productive, or guys who have track records anyway of being super productive guys. Curley's a good player, but, excuse me, he's, he's not super productive in terms of yardage and things like that. So again, this is a position, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but they have to address it and address it soon. Yeah, and I think that they're going to take at least one receiver in this draft. This this draft class of receivers, it's it's pretty deep, and there's 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 a few guys that can be had in in the second and third rounds, and and a couple of those guys are are Juju Smith Schuster, who who really ha- he has a lot of potential, and he has the size and and the strength to to get it done. It's just that he never really realizes potential at USC, and and he 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 is probably going to slip to the second round uh, early to late second round maybe but zay jones isaiah jones is another guy and cooper cup who set a bunch of records at uh eastern washington and he and he was you know he's a big guy big body receiver and none of these guys are really burners but they're big body possession receivers because you kind of have your speed guys and and uh goodwin and and aldrick robinson but you really don't have that over the middle sort of fight for the ball possession move the chains type of receiver outside of Pierre Garcon. So I think that they may go with one of those guys. He's the big body receiver. That's why I love Mike Williams. And I know they're probably not going to get him, but I just love that big receiver that you just throw the ball up to and he can just go up and get it. Yeah. I just, it's been so long since the Niners had a guy like that. I think Mike Evans in Tampa, just, just to have a receiver like that, just a big dude that you just throw it up to when he could win the jump balls. I'd love to see them get a guy like that. And I don't know if that's going to be this year. Maybe if they do, it'll be later in the draft, but that would be huge for them. And I think too, I'm not comfortable at all with what they have at tight end. Vance McDonald shows flashes, but he, he hasn't been consistent. He, he has drops. I'm wondering if they're going to use use check for a lot of their tight end reps, you know, split out on passing downs. Yeah. It looks like he's going to be kind of that Swiss army knife type of player. And we we talked about that after they signed him, but, to mitigate some of these deficiencies that they have at the tight end position, they can put another sure-handed player out there who can run routes out of the backfield and who can line up wide and who can block and do all of those things that a tight end does, but not necessarily be listed as a tight end. And 
he's basically that's essentially what he what he was in Baltimore. He was almost like a tight end that was playing fullback with all the receptions that he had and 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 the the routes that he ran and and uh, everything that he did over there. But but um, I, I really think that I you know they can capitalize off of mismatches with him with him playing at the tight end position if they if they choose to. So the theme with him is versatility and that's why they got him. And, and I think that you'll see them capitalize off of that. Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be a big part of the offense uh, for sure. Do you think there's any way as we're going into this draft, is there any way, and I don't think it's going to be at two. I don't even know if it'll be in the first round with their first pick, but are they going to, are the Niners going to make an aggressive play for a quarterback? You think here or no? I don't, I don't think this is the year to do it. And they seem to really love Deshaun Kaiser and John Lynch went on a, on a dinner date with him and got to know him and, and, you know, Kaiser ordered the salad and John Lynch ordered the salmon. And, <laughs> but um, they got to, they got to know each other pretty well. And, and it seems like they're pretty high on him. And Deshaun Watson is, is just coming in here for a, for a private workout as well. So they, they, in my opinion, I think they're doing homework on these guys just in case somebody falls to them with that second round pick. And I think that's that's where they'll they'll make their move. I, I'm not sure if you're gonna see a trade up into the first round like last year because it's important for the 49ers to hold on to their draft capital this year, especially when they're rebuilding the roster. So I think you're gonna see a quarterback go off the board, if not in the second round, then you'll see that the kind of second tier of of quarterbacks like the Nathan Petermans, the Brad Kayas, somebody like that go off in the third or fourth round but you're definitely going to see them quarterbacks on the roster i can guarantee you that they'll have somebody else um at that at the quarterback position next year is a big year for for quarterbacks the draft is going to be loaded there's the possibility of cousins being out there you know as sexy of a pick as it would be to get a quarterback and and make a move i i think the niners are really content on maybe getting somebody to develop later in just sitting this year and, and going with Hoyer and Barkley, I really think they are looking towards 2018 to, to solve their long-term quarterback issues. And that's smart. Don't force it. You know, don't be the Browns, the Browns force quarterbacks. They may do it this year and they're all they're doing is consistently changing quarterbacks. So be smart. I'm, I'm all for it with that. Yeah. One, it, one of the things, go ahead. Yeah. One, one thing about waiting until next year and it's always a gamble. And I want to, I want to make this point that everybody's, talking about Sam Darnold and, and Josh Rosen coming out or Jeff Rosen coming out um, of uh, UCLA. And, and there's no guarantee that the 49ers are going to be able to pick those guys because when you know that there's blue chip talent coming out, there's going to be teams that are wanting to trade up and, and get into the top 10 and, and snatch those guys up before you pick. And I sure as hell don't want to be two and 14 again and picking a number two again. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want that type of season. I want some sort of progress. So plan on the 49ers not picking within the top five next year because this is while they may not be a playoff team i'd say hoyer could probably get you five to six wins and that that pushes you out of the top five in most in most years so i don't think they're going to have a shot at at either of those guys in uh, next year frankly so it really it comes down to when you if you see your guy this year and if you feel like you can make the most out of him then then go and grab him this year and i fully trust in Kyle Shanahan to develop quarterbacks and, and build a system around his quarterbacks. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I think for sure with him, you know, I, I trust Shanahan to, to make the right, right move, whatever he's going to do at, at quarterback. He knows what he's doing. So I, I have a lot of faith in him with that. 
So moving on with the team, we, t- we touched a lot on the offensive line um, on our last podcast. We both talked about how we feel a little bit better than maybe most people do about them. When you have Zuda, Garnett, Beatles, and Kilgore as the four guys on the interior, Staley and Brown, and we won't go too much in the offensive line because we did touch on it last podcast. And hey, go listen to our last podcast if you want to know. But one thing I think that they do need is, is this another swing tackle. Um, I think John Theus would probably be the next guy on the depth chart right now, unless I'm missing anybody other than Brown and Staley. So you may see them take a developmental tackle this year. Uh, you know, Staley's getting up there in years too. So that may be a position they need to address. Yeah, I was reading a, an article today from uh, an anonymous scout, and they're always, they're always anonymous for whatever reason. I wonder why. But this anonymous scout said that this is probably the worst offensive line class that he's seen in the last 15 years. So I, I don't expect the 49ers to go high to get an offensive lineman. I expect them to, to wait until later rounds and basically make a depth pick. I don't, I don't think you're going to really find too much out of the offensive line in this draft, there's you you have a chance of the first offensive lineman, Forrest Lamp, is the number one rated offensive lineman. He may go in the in the last part of the first round, and I don't remember any year that had uh, in recent memory at least that had an offensive lineman going that late. So the first offensive going, lineman going that late. So uh, I don't really think you're going to have a lot of run on offensive linemen until the later rounds, and most of those guys will be developmental guys, anyways. In, in Lynch said he feels good about his offensive line, and I, I think it's better than it played last year, too. Trent Brown has some growing to do, especially with his run blocking. But Staley's solid. Beatles is a, is, a, is a veteran that can give you some versatility probably off the bench. You hope Garnett takes a step forward. Kilgore is a good player. He's not a great player. He's, he's a decent player. And Jeremy Zuda was a, a, a pro bowler. So, so there's, some, there's some good guys in that offensive line. Now, we mentioned Brock earlier in... That's obviously as much as it was the right move and he needs to go. That does leave a spot open in the secondary. And what it looks like they're going to do is it looks like Eric Reed is, is going to be that strong box safety type guy. And, and it looks like Jimmy Ward's going to play free safety, which is another reason why, not that I still think they would take a, a Malik Hooker or an Adams, but uh, you got to wonder if if they're they're going to go with Ward at safety, which is his natural position, which does leave some questions at cornerback. I really like Rashard Robinson, but is Dante Johnson the other starter right now? Well, it's kind of hard to say. I think that the draft will dictate a lot, and obviously Marshawn Lattimore is now in play as well because of the whole Brock thing. But with regard to just the corners and 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 keeping Reed and and Ward out of it, assuming that Ward will be the free safety. I think that Rashard Robinson is going to be a star. And I've said that since day one. I said that since I saw him in person uh, at Kizar day and, and the way that he was, his ball skills and, and his cup deal, he's got the height, he's got the speed, he's got the, most importantly, he's got the attitude that it takes to be a number one shutdown corner. So I think he's going to be a star. He just needs a couple of years of, of seasoning. And Dante Johnson, I, I really had high hopes for him when he was a rookie and he came in and, and he basically, there's a there was a game that season in in uh, in 2014 where he came in and and he basically won that game and it was against the Giants and he tipped a ball that Chris Borland inter- intercepted and he was looking great he was getting a lot of playing time and then after Harbaugh left he really didn't get much playing time after that and I, and I really don't know why and he's got the size as well he's he's six foot two so he's a he's a big corner a big physical corner and he can he can definitely cover but. Uh, I, I really don't know why he didn't get a shot. So there's definitely a hole there that needs to be filled. 
And whether it's filled with somebody that's on the roster or somebody in the draft, I think the draft will definitely dictate that. And I think what we see them do or don't do in the draft will tell us a lot about what they think about Johnson. I think they're probably okay. Well, maybe okay in the slot. You have Will Redmond, you have Quan Williams, who's the, who's there on a one-year deal. So they may have some slot guys that can step up, but that, that other, um, the other side of, of Robinson would be interesting to see what, what they do. They could certainly use another corner now for sure. So maybe some guys will get cut over the summer. You never know. There's a lot to prove for people in the secondary, but I don't know if there's a player on defense to me that has more to prove this year than Eric Armstead does in his camp last year. Everybody was raving about how dominant he looked and then he gets into the regular season and he had shoulder issues and he didn't, he didn't play so well. And I know he still does a good job rushing the passer from his position, but he wasn't great in the run game. And this is a huge year for Armstead to prove that he's a future part of this defense. Yeah, he, he was really flashing a lot last year and like you said in last year's camp and he had the he had the bum shoulder and everything but this is kind of kind of make or break it for him because he was he was always a project player and to be honest to be totally frank I I I didn't like the pick when when they made it I thought that Marcus Peters should have been the pick but I I embraced I embraced Eric Armstead I think he's I think he's a really really nice piece to have and, and he's a and he's a really good voice in the locker room to have he's a hard worker he he has really good work habits and work ethic and and, I, and that rubs off on everybody else and all of those intangibles you know they can only take you so far before you really have to produce and and he's basically going to have to produce this year and and he's got a lot of a lot to prove and he's he hasn't really shown much in terms of productivity and statistics but a lot of times disrupting the pocket and those those sorts of things don't don't show up on statistics so I, re- I really have high hopes for him, and, and obviously DeForest Buckner is, is just going to be a, a stalwart on that line for years to come, in, in my opinion. So I have really high hopes for the defensive line. I, I don't think that there's much that they need aside from a run stuffer up the middle, but there are some guys in the draft that you can pick up in the later rounds or mid-rounds that can be those those types of run stuffers and without getting too much into the to, to the draft and what who our picks would be. But I, there are definitely fines to, to, to be had in the in the middle of the draft. Man, if they can just get that one pass rusher, that one dominant type pass rusher, it can make Armstead and Buckner so much better. They could be such great complementary pass rushing pieces if you just get that one dominant type guy. Uh, it, it could just make those other guys explode, as as players like that tend to do. But it'll be interesting to see what, what those two do. I, I like the Earl Mitchell signing. I, I like guys like Ronald Blair. I, I like guys like Quentin Dial. They have some good pieces there. I wonder, and I've given up on him completely, but I wonder if maybe a defense like this can help Tank Carradine finally do something with his career. What, what do you think about Tank? Do you think he's done, or, or do you think maybe he could salvage something? I feel like his 49ers career is on life support, to be honest. I, I think that he he came out of college with so much potential, and, and they changed his position. And when you do that to a guy and ask him to gain a bunch of weight and and then lose a bunch of weight and, and all that stuff. It affects their quickness. It affects their ability. So it really, it was really a disservice to him to try to put him into a position that he wasn't familiar with, with putting him in a three, four. So hopefully they can get something out of him this year. And, and I, I really feel for the guy because he came off an ACL injury and, and he was a second round pick and, and he had his production in college, but he never, his never really 
you see that happen sometimes where high picks just don't, you know, they just they just don't work out. You see, uh, Jordan signed with Seattle this past week, and he he failed in his seasons with the Dolphins. Right, he was a, a top five pick, and those things yeah. happen. And you know, you can't really control those. But I, I really hope for his sake that that he shows something this year. Man, Tank was a bad pick. Second rounder, you take a guy with an ACL, and he's just he was supposed to be Justin Smith's replacement. Uh, what a ugh. think of some of those picks they made that were supposed to be replacements, like Caradine and. Marcus Martin and Brandon Thomas were supposed to be the interior of the offensive line moving forward. Just, oh, God, just set the team back so far. So far. Well, but, we, did get, we did get Curly for Brandon Thomas, so that was one of the few moves that, that the previous GM made that I kind of agreed with. Yeah, Curly, Curly, Curly might have been his best move in, my God, I can't, in years. <laughs> Probably yeah. since Anquan Bolden. Yeah, Curly was actually a good trade by him. So whatever, you got to get right at some point, I guess. Um, so beyond the uh, defensive line, we're hoping Bowman comes back healthy this year because and, and can be at least close to his old self. Malcolm Smith, we'll see. Again, I'm holding out hope that he's familiar enough in the system where he, he could be a little bit better. And then I'd like to see, again, I'm a big Reuben Foster guy. I, I'd like to see Reuben Foster be that other linebacker. Um but you know, but you do have guys like Ray Ray Armstrong who I like. It'd be interesting to see what they do with um kind of doing the whole front seven here. Interesting to see what they do with Aaron Lynch this year and also Ahmad Brooks. Interesting to see how they're gonna use those two guys this year. Well it's kind of telling that they that they got rid of Antoine Bethay and they got and they and, and they got rid of, you know, some some of this some of the some of the veterans, but they kept Ahmad Brooks. And it's interesting to me because they feel like he can be a part of part of this defense and, and still be productive. He's 33 years old towards the tail end of his career, but if they feel like they can get something out of him, they're, they're going to keep him on the roster. And right now, and he's, his cap number is, it's not astronomical, but it's bigger than most of the other guys on the roster. So he's got one of the higher cap numbers and they're still willing to keep him. But it shows me that they're, that they're expecting big things out of him and expecting him to contribute. But I'm with you. Ruben Foster is is my draft crush, and he's been my draft crush all along. And I think that, frankly, I think that he's going to be the number two pick if the 49ers stay at two. And even if they trade back, I think he would still be the pick because he can play all three linebacker positions. He's basically a heat-seeking missile on the field. And you can talk about his combine blow up and getting kicked out and everything. But, you know, dang it, the 49ers need a guy like that in their locker room. Honestly, they need a guy with with some edge to him. They need a guy with some swagger. They need some toughness and viciousness and violence on this team. And that's what the the theme of Robert Sala's defense is. is that's what he said it's going to be. He said it's going to be a violent defense. And you need a guy that's willing to just hit you in the mouth. And that guy is is Ruben Foster. And it, it harkens back to the days of Willis and Bowman. And to have two elite linebackers, it changes your entire defense. So... I think that Ruben Foster is going to be that pick at number two. I think he has almost no bust factor. I think you take him, you're plugging in a starter. If he stays healthy for, for the next eight to 10 years, I, I just don't see him as a, as a bust at all. That's why I, I, I would love for them to, to come away with Foster. Now I've seen Foster go anywhere from two through, you know, in, in the low teens. So who knows where he's going to actually end up. But yeah, I think he'd, he'd be just a great pickup for the Niners. I, I really do. And there, there isn't a slam dunk second pick this year. So Foster, Hooker, Barnett, these, all these guys would be really good picks. So it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. Yeah, Foster's close to, he's close to can't miss. 
and he's as close as, as you're going to get to can't miss aside from Miles Garrett. And in my opinion, he's the best player in this draft, not named Miles Garrett. And I've, I've maintained that all along. Any, anybody who follows me on Twitter at Zane49ers, follow me on Twitter. But anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I've been on the Ruben Foster train for a long time. And I think that he's a special talent. And I think that despite his shoulder injury, he's recovering from so- shoulder surgery this offseason. But he should be ready for camp with whoever picks him. But I think that he's that elite rare talent that doesn't come around that often. So uh, people are really underselling what he can do, what impact he can have. I agree 100%. And John Lynch talked about them being open for business, didn't he? Um, at that number two pick. So I, his comments were kind of interesting, I thought. Yeah, he did. He had a, he actually was pretty candid. He had a, a press conference today, actually, local pro day that they held. And there was guys from, you know, all, all around the, the Bay Area that came in and, and uh, participated in that. And he, he, he kind of shared with the media how exciting it was for him about being there and how excited he was for the players and how this is a new opportunity for them to kind of tap into a, a local market that, that not a lot of people get to get a chance to do because really aside from the Raiders, you know, moving and they don't really do as much as the 49ers do. uh, This is a a chance for them to kind of get those hidden gems. And he, he mentioned a few things actually, like it was, it was a really, really candid interview and I, and I, it's a welcome breath of fresh air for me from the GM position to have that candidness and to have him come out and be forthright and be transparent with what he wanted to say. And I think we have some audio with what he said and, and what his, what his comments were. So let's, let's take a look at that. It's just fun. It's first of all, this week's been fun because you actually look out here and see players on the field. And uh, I've, uh, I've watched about as much tape as you can watch in a week, so it's fun to actually come out and see the the thing live and in person. And uh, look, I, I, you know, we're fortunate. There's some legitimate prospects here uh, today, and uh, we just appreciate the, the sacrifice that a lot of these guys made. Um, we had guys come from Yale, and uh, you know, we had guys come from Stanford and Cal and San Jose State. So I, I just think it's a really neat deal for us, uh, and. Uh, you know, we've said from the beginning we're going to leave no stone unturned in terms of looking for prospects. And uh, <clears throat> I think as effective as film is, um, there's nothing like live and in person. And so, you know, we got a glimpse. It's it's hard to see everything, but you can see movements and, and all of those things. And I, I, it was fun to see our coaches coaching. Uh, so a lot of things that were valuable. John, if someone calls for the number two pick, do you have an asking price, contingency plans laid out? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have uh, – you know, there's uh, the traditional t- trade chart. We we've got one of our own, and so uh, you know, I think we know how, how we value that. As I've said, we're uh, we're open from biz- for business. Uh, we'll, we'll listen to anything. Um, but uh, I've I've always said you don't like being in two and fourteen, but you like having the second pick because I put I think it puts you in the driver's seat. A lot of options at your disposal, and and uh, we'll we'll explore every single one of them. Have any teams called you and you said, hey, you know? Keep us in mind, or uh, some of that's gone on, but uh, you know, I, I think yeah, not going to get into specifics on that. But there's interest. Those many scenarios you talk about, is there any scenario you see yourself moving up? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> is it that's been yeah, uh, like I said, we're going to look at every possible scenario, and um, 
we've done that. I know he's got a lot to prove, but he's just so impressive in everything that he does. In the whole thing with him, did you see him bringing Steve Young in? Yeah, yes. It, the the story is that Steve Young actually texted John Lynch and said, you know, Lynch was in the draft meeting, and and his response was pretty much, yeah, you know, this is this is your world, Steve. That you you are a vital part of this franchise. You come in whenever you want. The door is open, and the fact that he's opening the door to the alumni and actively going out of his way to to kind of talk to them and and loop them in. And a lot of these guys were his colleagues too. You have to remember that Steve Young played at the same time that John Lynch did. So these, these guys are friends off the field, regardless of, of the fact that John Lynch is the GM of the 49ers, but they're friends off the field and he's opening the doors of Santa Clara and Levi stadium and 49ers headquarters to all of these alumni. And it's great. And Kena Turner is doing a lot with the alumni as well. And, and Guy McIntyre is, is, Guy McIntyre is there as well, and it's it's just really welcome. It's just really nice to see because that's kind of an untapped resource that the 49ers have, this legacy, these players, these the experience that they have. Charles Haley came back last year, and he was at training camp as well, helping the, helping the guys out. But I, I really feel like they haven't done enough in the past to incorporate incorporate the past and incorporate their history and incorporate these these alumni that that have done so much for the team, and it's, it's just awesome to see, and, and I really applaud John Lynch for that. And, and having these guys around just helps build that championship culture, that championship character. And going back to the roots, which I think they've just gotten away from in the past couple of years. And even Kyle Shanahan is, he's 49ers. I mean, I mean Mike Shanahan is part of the championship legacy of the 49ers. And, and, and obviously Kyle being his son and his father being a mentor to Kyle. Kyle's part of that 49ers legacy and to have him as the head coach and to have guys like, like Steve young, it, it's just, it kind of, I know we have to see how this whole thing plays out, but it just kind of feels like the 49ers again, like the old school West coast, innovative, offensive 49ers. That's, that's what I expect to see. And man, it's been a long time. It has been a long time. And I, I really like his attitude towards this entire pro day. He he doesn't. He, if you listen to him and and the, listening to the clip of him, he he didn't really make it seem like it was work, did he? No, he's he's just such such a natural, such a natural at that. Um, he's almost like a politician in a way, with the way he comes across and says things. He's he's all smiles. He carries himself really well, and 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 that's great. That's great. He's put good people around him to help him with his shortcomings. So let him be that figure. Let him be that sort of face of the franchise type guy. He's doing a great job with it. He is absolutely. And, and you know what, Al, you're, you're doing a great job as my co-host and, you know, we're having a lot of fun with this and we get a lot of positive feedback and a lot of people on Twitter talking to us. And I, and I, I have to say that I really enjoy interacting with the fans and I really enjoy talking football. And this is, this is my life outside of my life, basically, you know, and this is the same way for both of us. You're an East coast guy. You're, you're a New York through and through, but you are a, a 49er faithful. And that's what it, that's what it's about. It's about, it's about coming together and, 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 you know, talking about the team that we love. And, you know, I just have to say that we, for myself, I, I love doing this with you. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Same here. And it's fun. And hopefully we got a, we got a long way to go with this. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I do have to say that, you know, I'm going to be traveling next week. I'm going to the great city of Chicago. It's one of my favorite destinations in this country. And uh, I will be there next week. So y'all are going to hear me live from Chicago on the next podcast. Travel safe, buddy. Travel safe. Chicago's a great city. Yeah, you know, the, the food is amazing there. 
the food is amazing. And, you know, we can, for the first time in over 100 years, we can say that it's the home of the World Series champion, Chicago Cubs. Yeah, good for the Cubbies, too. Like I said, I'm a Yankees fan, but I, you know, good for the Cubbies. Yeah, they had, they had a long time. It was a long time coming, and, and I absolutely support that as a baseball fan. I, I love that. And I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but, you know, I, I absolutely love the fact that, that the underdog wins. And it's kind of like that year of re- redemption this year in sports. You see, you see North Carolina winning it after losing the championship last year, and you see the, the Patriots winning the Super Bowl after the whole spy or what spy gate, deflate gate thing. They have so many gates that it's kind of hard to keep track of. So many but, gates. Yeah. Joke. So, uh, you Getting know, and started. it's. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sergio Garcia winning the Masters after so many failures. So it's kind of like a year of redemption. And, and I think that, the, that uh, you're going to kind of see that same sort of theme. Hopefully the Warriors can pull it off and, and, and win the finals. And, and I want to see the Cavs there, but, but, uh, but I digress. All right, man, we'll have to do a uh, on-location podcast while you're in Chicago. Absolutely. I got, I got you. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks again. This was another edition of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle podcast. For Zane Nakby, I'm Al Sacco. We'll talk to you soon.